0: You know, in in every national park, there's a place called Inspiration Point. And people go there and they say, Oh, it's just like a picture.
1: (laughs) And nobody knew this. 400 years ago, it took the artists to paint landscape, and then people realized how beautiful it is. Nowadays, artists are painting Uh, pictures of damp stained walls and floors where people have dropped a lot of paint and one day people will walk into a room where there's a lot of paint been scattered on the floor and a general thing and they'll say my goodness it's just like a Jackson Pollock (laughs) oh ain't it just like a picture (laughs) See, it always takes the artist to show us the vision. Are we recording? We're recording. We are recording. Welcome back to the line podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander and today's episode I had Miss Esther Gokule. Thank you so much, Alan Watts, for that beautiful introduction. I'd like us to all ponder upon the potential of viewing our movement as artistic expression. The way that you move is an expression of how you are feeling and how you're representing yourself throughout the world. I strongly believe, we're going to go off the deep end here, that our physical tissue is a manifestation of our emotional selves. That must be crazy. Really fun conversation. Thanks so much, Esther, for coming on in this conversation we got into physical plasticity of our bodies. We get into neuroplasticity and such. That's a a hot buzzword, but what about physical plasticity? We don't actually use that term in the conversation, but our capacity to change the function and the form of our bodies. form determines function famous quote. Ponder on that one. So uh, get into, if you got some spinal issues, you got some knee issues, what have you, your body is returning or turning over its fascia, its connective tissue, its bones, its tendons, ligaments, all that stuff. Every moment in seven months, all your connective tissue will be flipped out. 12 to 18 months, I believe, the hard, dense, bony stuff ends up getting turned over. You can make a change. Just got to change up that software, people. Boom.
0: Lengthening the back with stretch sitting and with stretch lying helps prepare you for subsequent steps where you're actually remodeling the shape of the spine.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in. For check out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N-therapy.com. And there you will find the self-care kit, which is a radical, hollow foam roller. Inside there's two different size myofascial release balls, heavy-duty elastic band, decompression band for decompressing those joints, slash exercising if you're into it and a door anchor so you can adjust the height of the band. All of it fits inside the foam roller, foam roller and the top screw on. It is fantastic. I'm fully in support of it. Website's getting revamped right now. Spring cleaning. Just finishing up fast. Myself trying to spring clean everything. I suggest we... Uh, we do that. We spring clean our houses. We spring clean our offices, our businesses, whatever it may be. Let's do that with our own bodies. So uh, looking at fasting. I'm talking to Brad Pilon, author of Eat Stop Eat Tomorrow. And uh, really, really interesting concept, cleaning out your own internal self. From there, you create the foundation to develop the world around you. Come on now, people. And one quick side note, we have set up a uh, donation tab on the right sidebar on the podcast page if you feel so inclined to support this show. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. We work very hard, and um, it ain't always so cheap to make it happen. So any support is seriously, seriously helpful and appreciated, and uh, I'd be happy to help you out in any way that I can in return. Thank you so much for leaving comments on iTunes, um, review, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your family. I have a feeling these podcasts might help other people other than yourself. I hope so. And uh, I think that's what we got. I'm about to buy a motorcycle here in about 10 minutes, so I got to run getting off podcast introduction mode in 5, 4, 3, 2, Push.
0: Align Podcast
1: in your book i think it addressed really really super important crucial factors and i like that it was it was like a journey around the world which was the thing that i loved the most that the photography I thought was so so cool so i'm like i cherish the book now i'm like excited to show other people just yeah, a lot of
0: people are really respond well to ima- the images we have over 1100 images you now awesome. people have a huge visual cortex right so they respond to images it's we had designed for that we're adapted to that so right. I wanted to use images a lot and you know it's also fun I got to travel I got to photograph people right. being beautiful in their bodies and functional and pain-free
1: right
0: converges
1: yeah
0: and and then to share that with people through my book and I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful that that was possible um, writing doesn't come easily to me so it took a long time For it to burble in my head. Right. And then put it on paper. I had a writing buddy and then I had (laughs) help with editing. And it happened to be the time when Apple uh, started their Genius Bar. And at that, when they first started, they had very high level people educating the public on how to use Adobe InDesign and so on and so I really got into the meat of it because it was scrapbook like you know I needed to have images and text and interlace them to really um, manifest my vision you know it's it's not a text primarily a textbook with a few images thrown in and neither is it just images it really it's it's like a scrapbook and it has a lot of Layers. I wanted it to be that way. I wanted people who are somewhat impatient to just get the steps, to be able to read just the steps and leave the sidebars alone yeah. and the, the the front portions of each chapter and the troubleshooting sections and so on. So I included them for people who want more detail who yeah. and so it can be reread with different layers, you no? Know? Right. And and it can also be arrived in and sort of chewed on in just a little segment and that should enrich and uplift, you yeah. know, metaphorically and physically. Right. And then they can leave. And so they come, you know, people can come and go into the book. It's We use it as the textbook for our six-lesson course. And um, it, it, the book comes to life, especially richly after people have had our course in which they have hands-on guidance, yeah. and as you know, you know there's nothing like hands-on guidance when people nice. um, need postural uplifting, and especially if they're in pain.
1: Yeah, and so I think it's I, I, I like the fact that it was it was scrapbook esque because I think you know it's like it's kind of like podcasting. I think we're coming to a new a new form of advertising or media or connecting with humans in general, where it's like people want to be casual, be normal. It doesn't need to be this, this structured, refined, linear box, everything, you know? And I think something like, like with your book, what I thought was really great was there was so much really profound insight. And like, I mean, I really mean that I, I really enjoyed it. And then you're able to say, eh, you know, it's been, you know, twenty minutes or whatever and my my brain's drifting away. I want to go look at some amazing pictures. You know, you go look at some pictures, you're like, that was cool. I want to learn more about these pictures. Then you go back <laughs> into the into the insights. I thought that was cool. So thanks for coming. Yeah. And- yeah.
0: Now at the same time as it is scrapbook like and you can arrive and leave wherever you wish, mm-hmm. there is a linear progression. You know, right. there is a best order to do things in. Right. Because people sometimes skip and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm gardening, bending is what I need. Hup, I'm going to copy these pictures. But it's very nuanced. Yes. And so if you cannot get hands-on guidance, which is by far and away the best yeah. a way to learn this, you know, just like it's the best way to learn golf or tennis or any kinesthetic activity. Yeah. But if you can't do that, then at least going through the things in order prepares you for the next step. You know, so lengthening the back with stretch sitting and with stretch lying helps prepare you for subsequent steps where you're actually remodeling the yeah. shape of the spine. So, so there is there is a progression. Um, there's value to um, uh, going through it all and going through it in sequence. But it's also fun and useful to just. Oh, a random page and be inspired by this incredibly beautiful person um, bending over to gather water chestnuts in, the, in, a, in a lake in Africa. Right.
1: Yeah. So I have we have kind of similar stories, possibly maybe with, with wanting to dig into ourselves in order to find answers for how to how to work this thing that we call, you know, Esther or Aaron, you know, and so with with pain. You know, and so I saw all sorts of different therapists and trainers and osteos and chiros and, you know, got to a point where I really felt in my body that it was my responsibility. And that's something that I I think a lot of people end up, in our society especially, it's very easy to kind of create some degree of a disconnect between... Everything, every aspect of me, my my physical tissue, my thoughts, my reality, is a product of something that I created. I moved myself into this, you know, and so that means that with this responsibility, that I'm able to move myself out of it, you know. And so I'm curious, like, can you kind of a little bit get into what that that progression was for you?
0: Um, sure, and. But I would say in addition to my responsibility, there's also been very significant contributions from the culture. Posture is very much a cultural matter, and that was not my doing. You know, I've been copying people around. People held me when I was a baby in a certain way and so on, and I don't know that I should take responsibility for that. So (laughs) I sometimes want to blame someone, like blame the culture, modern culture, you know. It's like no harm done, particularly. Um, There's also genetic components. Some people are, you know, do have some compromise, but it's a very small percentage of people. Mm -hmm. And so I agree that for the most part, you know, you have things in your own hands. And even the cultural baggage, once you understand it, you can overcome it by um, going back um, and... Uh, redoing the culture around you, you know, yeah. or, or um, uh, modifying right. things f- for that. So, yes, I landed in a lot of trouble. I was um, f- pregnant with my first child when the worst of my trouble hit, and it was a very badly herniated L5S1 disc, and I w- w- was not responsive to all the usual things, conservative things, Alternative things, so physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, checking my head, right. um, exercise, stretches, uh, all kinds of, you know. And I, it was a shock to me because I had been a yoga model in Bombay and I had been very athletic and I had not really had health challenges yeah. to date. And suddenly here I was, a surgical candidate right. and sort of desperate to have surgery because I was in so much misery um and uh so it was a laminectomy discectomy and small you know i had done my research it wasn't a fusion or anything i wouldn't have gone for that but but the results looked good but a year after the surgery i had the same problem recur and they wanted to do another surgery right. and i was in my mid 20s so that was quite shocking yeah. and debilitating And it also made my life trajectory look very different because I had a lot of uh, plans for the future. And I also had more children in the plans. And I was advised not to have any more children because I had various bulging discs, because I had uh, a problematic back, etc. And I didn't need to be told that because I felt it. You know, I was just... Yeah, I didn't want to go through that, what I'd been through um, again. Um, But when I uh, came to understand better how my body could function and should function, I gained confidence and I actually had two more children.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: Um, Yeah, so I have three children and I'm so happy I do. Now they're, I don't have them anymore. They've flown the nest, but it's a source of tremendous joy and it's also been sort of, you know, part of my lab, observing them, learning from them, and also teaching them. You know, teaching them to move in their bodies well. And each one got a little bit more. So number three got the most advantage, I think. Yeah. You know, she had her little African um, sitting tub and other things I discovered along the way. And, um, and I think in part because of the advantage of having really good posture. And I didn't let them escape with a the, with the shallow version of this. They were all trained to become teachers. And my man, <laughs> they agreed to that. Nice. And um, they're all national or international champion athletes, both in ultimate frisbee and as well as other sports. So it's been quite surprising and wonderful to watch that. Um yeah.
1: Right cool. Yeah. And so one of the things that you mentioned in the book that I thought was really cool was was um, this the skillful handling of children, as I think how you wrote it. And it's like that's something, and that's that kind of gets into structural integration or rolfing or KMI or just structural I like the word structural integration, integrating your body, your structure. You know, mm-hmm. and with that skillful handling, I think that a lot of people can can get a lot from that in the sense of how they handle themselves, how they handle each other, how they handle their children and you know recognizing that literally every contact that we have with each other is having a cellular impact on the way that our cells grow and it's like we're we're always writing the software for how our body moves. You know, and so if you're putting someone in some environment that may cause, you know, whatever what have you, maybe hyperkyphosis or maybe valgus knees or pronated blah blah blah, you know, it's like what else could you possibly expect, you know? And that's the responsibility piece that I, I was kind of getting at. It's like if we just say, "Well, it's the culture," you know, I grew up in America, so this is just the way it is. I think that bridging that gap of like, no, like I did grow up in this. I did have some, you know, disabilities or, or hindrances, but I can be responsible for this. You know, I think that I, I just love the language of skillful. Handling, I think that's what you what you wrote. Was that yeah, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, yes, I did, and I talk about that. Um, and there's knowledge that goes into it, yeah. you know, and um, knowing which the, the the sort of language of the body, the m- body movement, and which which way things happen. So there's an intellectual component that's very helpful. Right. Um, but beyond that, if you've got it embodied. In yourself, in your own system, in your own structure, there is a second layer of that. You know, so it's like yes, you may be guiding someone to hip hinge your baby to hip hinge as you're bathing them, rather than folding them, rounding them over, or arching them backwards and teaching them um, suboptimal movement vocabulary. Right. So if so, but the way you handle them also, it's a second order effect. Yeah i would say smaller but still important and and maybe more important for other things like to convey like relaxation and yeah so the way your shoulders hang and um are relaxed the way your touches and so on which is a very much a product of how you move through the world you know how are you Um, connecting with the floor whenever you take a step you know so that has that has an an influence on how you are going to project movement onto your child and onto your buddy if you're so lucky as to be in a culture where people are touching each other and yeah you know holding each other hugging uh, holding hands whatever yeah all of that communicates
1: yeah, and so, you know, as, as adults or, or, you know, older, older folks, older than, than baby folks, um, you don't have quite as much maybe coddling and someone maybe decompressing your spine from picking you up underneath your armpits, but what you do have is you have mother environment always moving you dependent upon how you move upon it, you know, so it's a two-way system. The way that I walk along the ground dictates the way the ground contacts my foot, right, and the way that I sit on the ground, the way that I lean my back up against this wall or this tree or what have you, you know, I think that that's something that's like with that skillful, I just love the skillful (laughs) handling, you know, being able to utilize that, so it's like I would like to people to have tools that they can use and how they can be skillfully handled by their environment and kind of yeah. start that impetus so that it's a, it becomes a two-way interactive street. Yeah,
0: everything is a tool, you know, if you choose to use it that way. Yeah, yeah it's you're, it's it's that is certainly a choice when you're leaning up against something, how it, how it interacts with you. Right. Um, is is certainly in your control there was a third way in which which we didn't mention you know in which you are being influenced and that is modeling like all the people around you they're bending they're moving they're sitting their uh their expressions are a certain way um that is very much a reflection of their internal environment and we are natural mimics, whether we know it or not, and whether we like it or not, we're copying what's around. And so that's another way in which we are absorbing influences and uh, manifesting uh, impressions in our physicality, right. and, and then beaming that out. So, you know, I think there's there's, there's a logical underpinning to the to the notion that someone has good vibes or has good energy, uh, in, here in California we talk in that kind of lingo. Yeah. But I think there's a there's a a real phenomenon under that um, that uh, has to do with your emotional state registering in your body, mimicking it. You know that gets mimicked, and then that leads in turn to a certain emotional state. There's a uh, so there, there's a kind of transmission that way that um, yeah. is important.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all neurolinguistic programming 101. You know, that's how you make people feel comfortable around you is if you come in and you're like all barrel chested, like, I'm feeling great, you know, and everyone else is kind of in this depressed, I've been sitting on a computer staring at Facebook for the last nine hours position, there's going to be conflict there. You know, and, and what I say is maybe you don't need to be in that Facebook room, you know, maybe you need to find a better environment, but you know, it's like, that's, I think that's the crucial thing is that it literally, I think there's a whole paradigm shift that needs to happen. You know, I was reading about the, the, the lemming myth of, you know, they'll like follow each other off of cliffs and like sheep will actually do that. Apparently, apparently lemming, that's just a myth. But you know, I, that's, I think what we're seeing in our society is a bunch of people that are just trying to fit in because I think that goes back to tribal. You know, it's like if you are separate from the tribe, then you might die. Sure. You know, I think there's some evolutionary sure. aspect to that. You know, it's like, what about when our tribe is obviously walking off of a cliff? Like, where do we start to say, you know what? Like, maybe I'm going to make a right turn and there's going to be judgment. There will be consequent. Like, how do we, how do we, how do we do that? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> is that? The... Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you have any suggestions of, like, where to to get started with that? Because that's, I I think it's important. We have
0: a lot of gray matter, you know, and it's heavy. We carry it around all day. Why not put it to good use, you know? So I think most people in modern times, in the intellectual understanding of things, is a very good beginning point. It's like, oh, if you can explain things in a way that it really makes sense, that it grabs them, much more strongly than some sort of esoterica you know like oh you're uh you know you're this or that you know just some very um
1: your spirit crystals in line with saturn or
0: right. or yeah or alternative <laughs> kind of woo language right. or but that it really grips them you know uh, their their everyday logical self um is compelled that's a really good place to stand, uh, and that's also very steady. You know, if you really understand why something um, should be a certain way or is a certain way, or that's helpful. So I, I I like to make intellectual arguments. My book is full of them. You know, it's logical. It things follow, and so it once understood, it it holds steady.
1: Yeah,
0: and then can be embroidered on. There's nothing so visceral and so um, gripping as your immediate, your kinesthetic experience. You know, if you really feel well in your body, there's little debate to right. be had with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I like beginning with an understanding. I also like visual cues. People are very visual. I like uh, to show them images and video clips as a beginning point because, you know, it's it's a hackneyed phrase but a picture is worth a thousand words sometimes yeah. and it, it stimulates people to look further yeah. and they can see things that they may not even perceive intellectually but it's like okay this really grabs me this looks right, right. I trust this
1: yeah and so something that you get into which is like, again one of my favorite pieces of the book is showing the pictures of like World War I photos around like, you know, essentially the, most of the photos from my understanding of, of checking out the book, like pre-1920-ish were people with this upright, what you call J-spine posture, right? And it's, it's it again, like a, a picture's worth a thousand words and we're always tr- attempting to mimic whatever we see. Like that's probably the thing that has allowed us to come as far as we, we have is our ability to mold to anything. <laughs> you know, even if it's so crap. It's,
0: so, yeah, that's one of the populations. I teach people to emulate. Um, and the other two are young children. They're around. And, um, and then people in certain cultures, and it's becoming increasingly difficult to find them, but there are cultures around that still show this old way of being. And so, and these are very different cultures, and they converge on the same characteristics, which is part of my argument that this is indeed natural. You know, why would such disparate populations show the same J-spine and the same um, uh, shoulders posteriorly arranged and the same shape in the foot and so on?
1: Yeah, yeah. I just got. I just got back from Africa like a couple, few weeks ago or something. And um, wow, where one, in Africa? I was in Morocco. I was cruising all over Morocco for a couple months. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And and that was, you know, it's like. One of the things that I noticed with that that I thought was just tremendous, and i took I really took note to this was I was cruising all around with my skateboard. everywhere I went, I had a skateboard. and uh, which is a great way to break up the monotony of walking, by the way. Anybody, if you're going to travel anywhere, get a skateboard, get some rollerblades, like be weird. you know and and so I would be cruising around with a skateboard. And when I was in Marrakech or anywhere throughout throughout Morocco versus like European countries, everybody, a high percentage of people, would come running up to me, grab my skateboard and play. And it was and they would come up and it was just and they would just fly off, like old men coming up, standing on the board, give it a push, fall straight on your back like almost cracking their head. You know, and what I found to be so amazing about that is that is such an acute apparent cultural difference. You know, and, and I think that that ability to dive in and say Whoa, 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 what's that? You know, like, let me like shake you up a little bit and grab your board and let's let's check this out. You know, like that, we have these these insecurities around, around ourselves. So I think it's, uh, it's guarding, guard the money, guard the, you know, guard your property, guard whatever it may be. I think sometimes when you can, when you come from a society that's a little bit less guarded in that sense, there are structural mental changes that can take place from that. Is that something you, what do you think about that?
0: Well, it's always struck me in Africa that people, and I've theorized that it's because they have less private property to guard, that they are so open. Um, The flip side of that, though, is in this country, we're much more receptive because we are truly a melting pot. I think we are more receptive in a deeper sense to new ways of doing things. So, for example, when I carried my baby, African style, in Portugal, people would come to me and say, oh, no, 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 you know, don't do that, you know, what are you doing? And because they had a way, it was a wonderful way, but they didn't recognize that there were other wonderful ways as well. And so, there were several things in there that, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and there, the village is really doing its job, they're on, you know, they might not be fully informed, but they're interested and in, involved, whereas we have a little bit of a uh, bigger personal bubble and the personal bubble might protect our private property, but then also shut certain kind of influences down. But then again, in a different level, when it comes to um, absorbing things from different cultures, like we're, we are, we are um, more open. Like I can teach my American students. So, in that context, I can teach them African ways and Portuguese ways and wherever I find the best ways to move and use the body and work with children and exercise and all sorts of things. So, um, I, I really value being in this country and, and that it's a melting pot yeah. and that we're v- very game. To adopting the best from everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm on board with America. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying this. This is not. A, this is not an American thing. It really oh, isn't. Yeah. This is a This is European. This is a modern world thing. Anywhere where people have 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 property, have a bunch of money stashed away, have a bunch of food in the fridge, and feel like they own their wife is a place where there. I think there is this expression of guarding and protection. You know, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm like I'm, I'm talking too too boldly, but no, no, I, I think right. I think I'm onto something. You know, but
0: <laughs> I absolutely I, I agree with you that there is that aspect as well. Yeah. You, so it's like certain kind of barriers and certain kind of openness. And yeah. I mean, the way I see it, each culture in the world has come up with a very complex solution to a complex set of challenges. You know, as the human diaspora uh, moved across the planet, um, you know, there's different temperatures, different vegetations, different clan sizes that become viable, there's different everything, and so you have to evolve a solution, and it's interesting, you know, the different solutions are just delightful to learn about, observe, and then, you know, learn from, for our context, because it's an ever-changing and very rapidly changing set of challenges in modern times. Right
1: random side tangent fact that i read a few days ago is, is there's a thing i think it's called Allen's rule and there's uh, consistently people that are in harder drier regions end up having skinnier ankles their appendages as you go distal further away from the the midline they start to get thinner which ends up being more effective for things like running large races um but whatever whatever <laughs> sorry about that uh- <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah, I that's, that that's cool. You know, uh, but one of the things that I'm curious that, that you didn't necessarily tap into in the book that I'd be curious your thoughts on is uh, why do you think we made this convergence around you know the 1910s or 20s from being upright even in textbooks, you have a picture of a textbook from 1911 where it's like you see this this longer spine that fits those puck-shaped discs right? And then as it starts to get more recent, it starts to get a little bit essier right? More s yes. right? So like, what do you think, why would publications and textbooks and all like, what, what do you think that came from?
0: So I write a little bit about this in my introduction. And I think one factor is that um, uh, fashion has played a role. You know, I think people needed a, 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 a a change, a radical change after World War One, in right. particular, depressed times, needed an, a, a facelift, you know, a body lift. Mm-hmm. And so I think fashion helped out with the big redefinition of what is casual and easy and sort of rebranded the past ways as rigid and passé and um, lost the baby with the bathwater there. Right. Um, and I also think that as a po- population becomes more mobile, so you're moving around, you're not raising your children uh, in the presence of grandparents and the rest of the village community, you're you've moved somewhere else entirely. And in that process, some of the kinesthetic wisdom that gets passed down through the ages, unwritten, unspoken, but gets passed down nevertheless, mm. gets lost, you yeah. know? So you, you're in a different place. You're uh, whole states away from the original and where, where, you're, where you were raised, and now you, you have a baby, and you sort of have to make it up as you go, And so it's one person's wisdom as opposed to a lineage of of passed down wisdom. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah that that lineage and that that, that tribe mentality or it takes a tribe to, to build a baby or make a baby you know or raise a baby it's like I think a part of that it's kind of like you're saying like what you like about California you know I don't want to say United States because I don't think all of the United States is representative of California but there's there's some parts of the United States that are more of a melting pot and more open expansive and international than others
0: oh I think all of all parts if you depending on how you define it I mean this country was It's all European settled. Well, but different kinds of European, and you know, you have immigrants everywhere almost, and and if you don't have them in person, you have them on TV, and so on, so, so and, and, and okay, I'll, I will take some credit in here in California um, for being ahead of the pack in some sense, but it's a forecast of where the other states are coming, you know, it's like you become, you're familiar with, more ways of being, and more, and that becomes acceptable, and then that's coming for other states. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, it's it's very very useful to have uh, permission to borrow uh, wide from uh, a wide assortment of. Wisdom.
1: Yeah, 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 and uh, I, I think that it's like when you go into kind of more say like just in comparison, there's places that are more homogenous than a place like San Francisco. Like that, it's got it's got to be <laughs> in the sure, United States, right? Of course. You know, and, course. and and so I think that that with that, it's kind of like when we have that tribal influence on raising a child, there's more potential for adaptation. Right, you know, and so when you have influence from from everybody coming through, and I pick you up this way, and then we go that way, and I have I talk with this accent, and I say hablo español, you know, it's like that person, their system is able to. I think there's there's more adaptation, more stimulation with that, you know.
0: Yeah, it's you know, with language, that's certainly true. If you've heard if you've heard languages as a kid, you have framework in your brain. I know that from personal experience, and I know that from my children um you know with accents too like if you're exposed to those sounds there are a little uh there's a setup there's architecture set up in your brain to be able to accommodate those sounds later in life so it's yeah for sure more influences richer uh experience and but then there's also the danger of overload
1: (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely so uh, as far as actionable things that people are able to to take away from from us us chatting, like something that I see is you know really obvious things is is flat feet, pronated feet, or valgus knees, or just essentially like I call it Homo Homo collapseus. You know, it's like we were Homo erectus, now literally we are starting to collapse. If you collapse at any level, you begin collapsing at every level. I I I feel. You know, and, and you can disagree with that if you. If no, it you know. all
0: connects. It yeah. all connects. Sure. I,
1: where where can people start to become more erect?
0: I <laughs> actually yeah. like this. You know, we have online workshops, free online workshops, and free in person workshops in every continent of the go- globe. Where one of the things we teach people is stretch sitting because it's you know they're sitting anyway, um, like I was a few minutes ago, and. You could just be sitting there in a heap and blaming sitting, or you could use that time to improve your system, to improve your spine. And the yeah. spine, especially the lumbar spine, is a really good place to begin. So I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna stretch it. And yeah. I'll I'll show you what I'm doing if you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so this'll be this is gonna be podcast audio. Okay, so but at it's some true. point at some point but I can
0: describe what I'm doing. yeah. yeah. Because You know, people are sitting in their chairs and they have their bottom back in the chair. And then there's a way of coming away from the backrest, which you would like to have equipped with an element that's going to facilitate some gentle traction. Okay, so it could be just a towel with some friction. It could be a little, we have a stretch sit cushion, which has like kind of rubberized nubs to facilitate this. And then you wanna lengthen your back by kind of curving forward, pushing with your arms to make your back longer. And then you are hooking to the backrest. And that then gives you a longer length while you're sitting. Right. And it takes two seconds to do. And you are benefiting for all the time that you are sitting there. So if you are driving a car, for example, instead of just having wear and tear and load on the lower discs, which, as you know, are the most vulnerable ones, L4, L5, L5, S1, those tend to be the ones that give. Instead, you got yourself in gentle traction the whole time you're sitting there. So it's so easy and it's so difficult to do incorrectly. And there's so much bang for the buck that I... Like to start there, yeah. You know, people are going to be doing this,
1: right? And then, do you feel because I, I feel like that's a, a really phenomenal rehabilitatory technique? And then, I think something that people end up doing oftentimes is we end up layering new compensation over old compensation. And so, a technique like this, I like because it's starting to disassemble the previous compensation. Right. Yeah. And and so as opposed to just saying like, all right, you know, I'm folded forward more, so I'm going to retract my rhomboids and I'm gonna you know start just really going into this hyperextension mode and that'll fix me, right? No, now you just have two patterns that you're carrying exactly, you know on top exactly. of on top of that. And,
0: you know, that's become very trendy. I mean, it's not just recent where we already have buzzy things trying to tell people to sit up straight, you know, which is compens- you know, inducing them to do compensation as you call it, yeah, like arching their back, tightening up their back. But even going back quite some time, parents tell their kids to sit up straight, stand up straight. So we've learned this sort of to trade one poor posture for another kind of poor posture. And so yes, you're right. This is trying to sort of get to the root of the problem and decompress the spine, give the discs more room, give the nerves more room, reset the the length of the erector spiny muscles, and it's just very, you know, people feel good. Like, I just yesterday I had a student come back from his first session saying, oh, you know, I have like my sciatic pain, which has been going on for two years. It's like I don't have anything. I have, oh. didn't feel anything. I went to a massage retreat, and I've been talking about you to everybody. So that's pretty awesome, you know, one session. And it's not uncommon because, you know, in that one session, we're teaching people to work on themselves for potentially hours. Yeah. And that has a huge impact. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I like to great. start with something that's very encouraging like that, especially if people have been in sort of pain because of compression Starting there is like gives them so much hope and enthusiasm for learning the other pieces, which are not necessarily as easy, but equally important for the long haul.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like we we, if you look at like, you know, our our body developing osteophytes, you know, our our body developing calcium deposits in these random places is a product of, of friction. You know, we keep on pressing through some random direction, whether it's correct or incorrect. We will get thick. Around the, around those parts, you know. And sure. so, if you can, if you're able to to fifty cent words centrate, balance those joints, then all of a sudden you start developing robustness and start developing, you know, uh, strength around the joint, evenly, side to side, front to back, yeah. inside outside. You know, Strength
0: and uh, flow, you know, and yeah. all the the blood can flow, and the nerve impulses are unimpeded, and lymph flows, and so on. So it's a whole bunch of normal physiology. Yeah. is allowed to happen,
1: yeah. Right, yeah, and that's all That's all osteopathy 101. You know, that's what Andrew sure. Still was, was talking about, is he said, you know, a, a high majority of of pathologies, you could say you could reference back to dysfunction around the diaphragm, which I could say you could say reference back to the pelvic floor or any diaphragm. If you send any level of your system off, every other level needs to balance for yes. that, right? Yes, and that, totally. And then that gets into an interesting thing of like, well, maybe we could look at our plantar fascia, you know, or the the tissue in the bottom of our feet. That's kind of like a diaphragm, right? What happens when we intentionally spend $100 on some shoes that set that portion off? You know, I I, I just think that as far as like looking, <laughs> looking at, at how magazines and advertisements and all that stuff have changed our perspective on things, now that became like an in thing to all of a sudden be walking around with, you know, these high heels because it's high sexy. Heels. It makes your makes your your ass tight or whatever. It's like, what's that? <laughs> what <laughs> did that happen, Esther? Yeah. Is there well, anything like? And, well, and how do we resolve you know, the origin
0: it? Origin of that is like you know the once cities came about, there was a lot of crap on the streets that you didn't want to be mingling with. So you know people raised their shoes to be out of the muck. That's the original. Um, <laughs> is, that really, is that really what it is? Yeah, that's really. hack
1: heels began. I saw a connection so, with schizophrenia. I mean, schizophrenia. it often is
0: like a, a, a utilitarian origin, but then fashion takes it to some crazy place. Right. Huh. And, and so I actually teach a small heel can help compensate for like tight calves. You don't want to wear, have it all the time, but you know when you're learning walking for form, it can be. A uh, 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 temporary help, um, but yeah, that's complicated.
1: <laughs> so that I've Actually, heard, you, I've heard you say this before, and I like, I went, i like, my threw my hands up. And I was like, what? And you so, disagree. but I don't disagree. No, no, no. So, 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 hear me now. So I look at there's there's a there's a time and a place for a crutch in your yeah. life. You know, and that's that's the, that's, that's the big that's thing. It. You know, that's so all it is. I see orthotics be a crutch. is the same way.
0: Exactly. I do too.
1: And so, so that's my cure. I wanted to clear this up with you because I, I heard you say something on those lines. I was like, wait. And, and so I, I wonder, and you can you know, feel free to disagree with me.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. That's exactly how I think it should be used. Okay. Like it can be used as a crutch, can be useful as a crutch. But um, I prefer things being used like training devices than crutches. Like, you know, okay, it's putting you in this position which is then allowing the rest of you to function normally in spite of your tight calves or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, insoles. Well, they facilitate the norm, a normal use of your foot muscles if you know to do that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just automatically result in the foot grabbing and so on, but it can help. Yeah. So it can be used as a training device, um, and that's better than using it like a crutch. And that way you can outgrow it, right. is how I teach it.
1: Yeah. So that's some. So with, with uh, folks that I see, what I always suggest is, if you've been walking around with two inch heels for the last twenty years, you're not ready for zero drop. Like that, it will probably right. damage you. You know, by yeah. no means do that. Yeah. But but what you are ready for is Change. one and seven eighths inch heels. And then sure. after that, you'll be ready for one and three quarters. Yeah, you know, I always it,
0: tell people do something between what they have been doing and what's ideal. Right. And don't jump all the way to ideal overnight. Right. And and that's true for many many changes.
1: Anything. Yeah. 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 This is all metaphoric for everything else. You know? <laughs> and, and so, um, is it okay if we go for another? Th- I usually go for an hour. Is is thirteen minutes ish or what? I mean, let. Sure. Yeah. You can yeah, say no. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, right, no, cool. this is good. All right, cool. Sweet. Um one of the things that you mentioned in the book that I also I also like as just I'm a, a, a very like visual language based. And one of the things that you say that I I really really liked was was nesting the pelvis between the hips, I think you said, or legs. I think you Between hit, the legs. Between the legs, yeah. And that's something that I see with the majority and this is and this is one of those instances where maybe a little bit of a heel lift might help your capacity to nest the pelvis. In between, that's, that's, right. that's like Olympic lifting shoes, you know, or weight, weightlifting shoes where they have that little, and it's like, which I don't agree with it. I think we should be wearing that down to eventually that we can Olympic weightlift on the dirt and off, you know, in a, in a, on one foot on a high rock and one foot on a low rock. I think we have that full spectrum of movement. No, but getting to that point of nesting the pelvis in between the legs, like, can we talk about that's that huge. a bit? Yeah, it's
0: huge. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Um, and it's subtle, very nuanced. I can't, because people often misinterpret that and start sticking their bums out, you know, exactly. tensing up their erector spinae muscles, sticking their bum out, and that's not the way you want to get there. That's just, you know, trying to make it look a certain way, but it isn't uh, peaceful in that, in that configuration. You want it peaceful. You want relaxation of, of muscles that are keeping you from letting the pelvis settle in its normal place and whenever i talk about normal i'm talking about the way kids are and the way our ancestors are and the way certain right. non-industrial populations are and there's but so one of the things that's very important towards um creating space for the pelvis between the legs is to have the legs out of the way you know and people sometimes instinctively Try to get their legs out of the way by kind of spreading their legs super far or facing their feet way out, you know, sort of trying to drag the thigh bones into something, into a better configuration. But really, um, I think the magic happens in reshaping the feet. Mm. That's the best way, in my experience, to access the entire leg and... There and then let the pelvis have its room. Yeah. And that also is nuanced. And, you know, we it usually takes three lessons for us to get our students to be able to refashion their feet on their own to facilitate this external rotation of the legs and nest, nesting of the pelvis. I like that. Yeah. phrase.
1: Yeah. And so one of the in in relation to everything you're just saying especially with the feet, one of the things you mentioned in the book is uh kidney bean shaped feet. Yes. You know and a, and a nice kidney bean shaped feet you know, that what that what that is a product of is having integrity throughout the arches. You know, you've got the transverse, and the medial and lateral and you have these arches of the foot. They all need to be buoyant, right? And so if we don't have if they're blown out, then you just have a big flat wad of foot. You know, and so anybody can sort this out right now. If you just, this is what they'll, they'll teach you with, with heavy weightlifting and such. like screw, imagine your feet are on two dinner plates and you're screwing your feet into the ground. You get that external rotation in the knees, the glutes activate and your, your feet turn into kidney bean shapes. Is that, can we kind of do a little something or another to help people along? Like how do we turn our feet into kidney beans? How do we make this happen at home?
0: It's, you know, so it is sort of pivoting in the heel as the knee goes out, and um, not trivial to find for people who are not used to being configured oh. that way. Yeah. So the way I do it is I guide people again and again, you know, until it, at first it feels very strange, then it doesn't feel so strange, and then the brain kind of chimes in and finds the pathway and the musculature to do this on its own. Right. So that's my pathway, it's like, it's one of the things where I, I find that it's really helpful to guide people because um, that also keeps it from being excessive. You don't want to have, and it's just hard for people to find, you know, their feet sort of don't connect with their brain very much. We've sure. used our feet pretty much like prostheses, you know, and just kind of clump, clump, clumped around and now this is about learning how to uh, really alter the shape of the foot. It's not, some, it's not even a concept that's occurred to people. Like, you know, we tend to treat our feet as given. You know, this is their shape. Maybe, you know, slap an orthotic on there. and End of story. And, you know, so, yes, you have to realize first that your feet can change shape. And then how... And so, you know, I do describe in my book, and I have images, but to tell you the truth, you know, even though on my DVD and my book I've described in great detail how to get there, most people who come to our courses have no idea about this one. Right. You know, they learn other things on their own. They learn stretch sitting. They learn stretch lying on the back without guidance pretty well, and that's really nice because those are two really good things to begin with. Yeah. But kidney bean shaped feet, they usually have to come in for.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Kelly's start. I've had him on the show a couple of times. I really appreciate his work greatly. And he said, he said something along the lines of like I never, I never found a, an arch that I wasn't able to, to lift. You know, I wasn't I never found like a flat foot that we weren't able to to get that navicular totally. bone to come up and start to reintegrate the architecture of. Upset foot. There's something that I read recently. I thought was really interesting. Could be a little dubious, but the best studies are, is uh, was schizophrenia relation of schizophrenia and the introduction of high heels, and also a relation of schizophrenia into uh, children that are born during times like in the cold, like you know December, January, November, and they need to wear shoes and they're not able to connect their feet with the ground. And so I think it's very fascinating when we look at the story that our nervous system ends up creating by wandering through a wide variety of environments. You know, when your feet are walking on rocks and then they're walking on bubble gum and then they walk on a dog turd. You know, like we go through that whole thing. I think there's a lot of implications that we don't necessarily think about so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, we... We've been walking barefoot or with soft shoes on contoured surfaces for millions of years. We've been upright five and a half million years. So is it surprising that, you know, that we've adapted to need some of that, that some physiology has kind of evolved around that, those sensations and around the architecture that it creates and, you know, things build on each other. So because of the external environment, there are features. And then because of those features, there's physiology. And physiology connects with psychology. And, and, and some physicality connects directly with psychology as well, recent research shows. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it, it does all connect. And I think that's what's exciting about what's happening in this century is we're discovering surprising connections, you know things with mental health and gut biome and True. you know it's like very interesting and uh so at the end of it you know we will all going to be looking at our general health again which is great you know rather than little pieces of it exclusively
1: yeah yeah, I'm, I'm super fascinated by just this connection of the way that we emotionally feel and how that manifests as our physical tissue and physical structure yeah. and the organization of our joints. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that you say in the, in the book as well as there's a, some sidebar thing, there was like the tools that you'll need. And, and the tool on that page that I saw was a, a standing length mirror. You know, and I think that that's such a crucial thing for people is to let go of this nonsense baggage that like you are arrogant or egotistical or whatever it is if you observe yourself, you know, because there's a good chance. It's like when you see a photo of yourself from from the back, you're like, who the hell is that? You know, like I don't recognize my back. Why don't you recognize your back? (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. No, it's very, I mean, it's we're so developed visually, like it's, yeah. a, it's a real handicap to, to not have a view of yourself. Right. You know? yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I, I often will say in my classes, vanity is underrated. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's okay. Um,
0: I don't say that to everyone, right. but. In my classes, I will often say that.
1: Yeah. And um, you can go too far with anything where, to the point that it's well, yeah. weird and you're just staring at yourself all day instead of like, you know, going to work. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, something that it's just that there's so many pa- – videotape yourself is even better, I think. Because when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, you have to kind of turn your head over to the side like, okay, well, now you're sending uh, – once again, the chain changes because now you turn your head to the left as you sure. do that push-up or whatever.
0: Sure. So videotape
1: yourself. Man, like get in there and watch and you will see – so much. You become your own coach. Yeah,
0: yeah. we, you know, as part of our teacher training, um, teachers have to send in videotapes of themselves training others. Right. And um, it's they are often surprised, not always pleasantly surprised, yeah. you know, by what they see because we ask them to do a self-review as well. And, um, so it's a very good exercise to be in front of a camera, It's sometimes daunting, but it's, it's extremely helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta go. (laughs) Um, so really, really fun, really fun to get to chat with you, Esther. I appreciate it.
0: Likewise. Likewise. Thanks for interviewing me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No worries. No worries. Uh, how do people find you? I, I, like I said, like I, I dig the book. I thought it was super super it's just I think it's an important book to have sitting on your dresser stand or whatever you call that thing and so it's just it's, it's it's a nice thing to be able to pull up because it's so visual you know and so to any someone comes in your house to be able to open it up to page blah 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 and see an Ubong Trigsman with this amazing butt cheeks coming out through the page like that's just great, you know. To be able to just just bring that into the world.
0: Some of my students put it as a coffee table book for their kids as well, because sure. you know they can. Kids are very visual, and it's it's good for them to see things and have distinctions pointed out, yeah. and then they take that into their own body as well. So yeah, it works. It yeah. works. The book is good.
1: Yeah. So how how do people find how do people find, find Our the stuff? Our
0: website is is um, go clay method g o k h a l e Method, and if people forget that, they can just look up posture guru, It's what I seem to be getting called, and um, they'll find their way to my website and book and DVD, and you know we have a chair and cushions. We have a lot of a few things actually, not a lot of things. Um, I'm not again, I'm not for having a bunch of stuff, right. but a few things can be helpful in modern living. Yeah. A few uh, training devices better than crutches. Right. And so, yeah, our website has it all. We have free online offerings. We have in-person offerings that are free, and then we have our course, which is probably our most valuable offering.
1: Awesome, I love it! Thanks so much. Appreciate it, and Thank uh, you. yeah, hopefully, I get to see you soon in in uh, the Bay Area. Perfect. Cool.